Hello and welcome to Dr. Jones's Veterinary Secrets Podcast. This is episode 95. In today's podcast, we're talking about what you should do if your dog or cat has vomiting and diarrhea. What is castor oil and how it can be so helpful for your pets. Lastly, when should you be neutering your dog to avoid health risks? You'll be surprised at some of the new research. Veterinary Secrets is on all your favorite podcast apps, including Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher. I'd appreciate it if you'd subscribe to my podcast and leave a review. Questions or comments, feel free to post a comment on my blog at veterinarysecrets.com forward slash blog. Lastly, I encourage you to get a copy of my free book, Natural Health for Dogs and Cats, by going here, www.veterinarysecrets.com forward slash news. My neighbor's dog, Pippi, she's a famous lab. She's been featured in many of my YouTube videos. She had a nasty bout of vomiting and diarrhea. I mean, she was really sick and she wouldn't eat, you know, and that is one sick lab. She's okay now, but it really inspired me to produce this podcast, letting you know what you should be doing if your dog or your cat is in the same situation you're kind of wondering do I treat or don't I treat is it serious or is it not serious well no question you know one of the more common reasons for pets visiting a veterinary clinic is for vomiting and diarrhea one of the most common causes is garbage gut or gastritis they eat something they shouldn't not such a big surprise being a Labrador the result vomiting and diarrhea so what should you do well first assess your dog you know are they still alert or very lethargic are they continuing continuing to vomit every hour or just a few times. Then assess their hydration. Are they extremely dehydrated or just moderately? You know, this can be done when one part by checking their gums. There should be some moisture when you touch the gums with your finger. The next check is you can do a thing called a skin tent where you pinch the skin in between their shoulder blades. It should return to normal within less than two seconds. If that's the case, then you can consider that they're reasonably well hydrated still. Second, if your pet is still quite alert, only vomiting a few times and not extremely dehydrated, then you can consider trying some of these home remedies. So the first big principle for our dogs is no food for 24 hours, as in no food, no treats, nothing. Although you are offering plenty of fresh water. You can add an electrolyte solution to the water as they're going to be low in electrolytes. If they are not drinking at all, you can syringe in fluid at the rate of 100 mils per 10 pounds of body weight daily. That's about a half a cup per 10 pounds. More serious cases can require subcutaneous fluids, which can be done at home. If in doubt, please see your veterinarian. Then consider something for the vomiting. Here are a few options. First, you can consider tea as an antacid. Peppermint tea. Peppermint is so much more than just a breath freshener. It has an antispasmodic effect on the body, making it a great choice for relieving stomach problems like nausea and indigestion. Chamomile tea. Chamomile tea is known to help induce sleep and calm anxiety. This herb can also ease gut discomfort and relieve indigestion by reducing stomach acid and the gastrointestinal tract. Chamomile also acts as an anti-inflammatory to stop the pain. When you're kind of looking at doses, you know it's about 100 mil per 10 pounds of body weight. Lastly, consider the -the over-the-counter antacid called famotidine. Brand name is Pepsid. A typical dog dose is about 10 milligrams per 40 pounds of body weight given two to three times times a day. I find it's quite effective and most dogs respond quite rapidly. Then consider something for the diarrhea. Here are some options. First, Pepto-Bismol. It's an old standby that can be effective for dogs. The dog dose is one mil per 10 pounds of body weight given three times daily for no more than seven days. You could consider Kaopectate. It has a newer version which is safe for dogs and cats. It contains a type of clay as the active ingredient which binds toxins, decreasing fluid in the intestinal tract and subsequent diarrhea. 
The dose for pets is 0.5 to 1 mL per pound by mouth every 4 to 6 hours. Treatment should only be needed for 1 to 2 days. You could also consider uh, the anti-diarrheal Imodium called Loperamide. It needs to be used with care, avoid giving it to collies or any collie crosses. The dose for dogs is 0.5 milligrams per 10 pounds of body weight three times daily. You'd be giving your 40 pound dog one two milligram tablet three times a day for no more than two days. Then lastly, you could consider this herbal remedy for both vomiting and diarrhea. It is slippery elm powder for dogs, cats. It's great for any gastrointestinal disorder, including vomiting, diarrhea, and even effective for animals that have IBD or inflammatory bowel disease. It's derived from slippery elm bark powder, and it's, a, it's been used for so many kinds of digestive and intestinal problems for people. It can be used for nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, or constipation. As a side effect, it can also improve coat dryness and dandruff. So what is the slippery elm bark dosage? We can get it as a capsule formation. A typical capsule size is 400 milligrams. So an average you know, 10 pound animal will get one 400 milligram capsule per day. You can break it up and sprinkle in your pet's food, breaking it up throughout the day. Obviously, if you have an animal that has vomiting, vomiting, or diarrhea, you're just going to push one of those capsules down their mouth. Castor oil for pets. Well, what is it? Well, castor oil is a multi-purpose vegetable oil that people have used for thousands of years. It's been made by extracting oil from the seeds of the ricinus communis plant, or the castor bean. Castor beans contain this toxic enzyme called ricin. However, the heating process that castor oil undergoes deactivates it, allowing the oil to be used safely. It has a number of medicinal uses. First, it's a powerful laxative, and that's probably its best known medicinal use. It's classified as a stimulant laxative, meaning that it increases the movement of the muscles that push material through the intestinal tract, helping clear the bowels. This type of laxative acts quite rapidly and are commonly used to relieve temporary constipation. The dog and cat dose is one half a teaspoon per 20 pounds of body weight twice daily. Second, you can consider castor oil for skin disease or allergy help. It's rich in an oil called ricinoleic acid, and this is a type of fat that acts as a humectant and can be used to moisturize the skin. Humectants retain moisture by preventing water loss through the outer layer of the skin. Castor oil is really thick, so it's often frequently mixed with other skin-friendly oils such as almond oil or coconut oil, which many of us are going to already have on hand. It can help lock in moisture in the skin. So if your dog or cat is itching with especially dry skin, you should be considering applying a castor coconut oil combination. Number three, it can promote wound healing. Applying castor oil to wounds creates a moist wound environment that promotes healing and prevents sores from drying out. There's a popular ointment used in clinical settings called Benelax. You know what its primary combination is? Is castor oil and brew balsam. Castor oil stimulates tissue growth, so a barrier can be formed between the wound and the environment, decreasing the risk of infection. It also reduces dryness and cornification, the buildup of dead skin cells that can delay wound healing. Studies have found that ointments containing castor oil may be especially helpful in healing pressure ulcers, a type of wound that develops from prolonged pressure on the skin. Really common in our older dogs, they're lying on things like hardwood, you know, they've got their elbows pressing on that hardwood floor, and they will get these pressure ulcers super good option would be castor oil. So if your dog, your cat, they have a wound and you want to help speed up wound healing, consider topical castor oil, especially if they've got a pressure ulcer. 
Number four, it's got impressive anti-inflammatory effects and can be considered as a natural arthritis treatment. Racinoleic acid, the main fatty acid found in castor oil, has impressive anti-inflammatory properties. When it's applied topically, it reduces inflammation and helps relieve pain. The pain-reducing and anti-inflammatory qualities of castor oil may be particularly helpful for those dogs and cats that have inflammatory diseases, you know, such as this inflammatory arthritis. Both animal and test tube studies have found that ricinoleic acid reduces pain and swelling. One study showed that treatment with a gel containing ricinoleic acid led to a significant reduction in pain and inflammation when applied to the skin compared to other treatment methods. If you have a dog or cat with localized arthritis, you should be considering applying castor oil topically. Number five, it can help reduce dandruff, help with skin infections, and even yeast. It has several qualities that may help reduce acne symptoms. You know, feline acne is very common. Our dogs, they get similar skin infection. Inflammation is thought to be a factor in the development and the severity of acne, so applying castor oil to the skin may help reduce inflammation-related symptoms. Castor oil also has antimicrobial properties that may help fight bacterial overgrowth when applied to the skin. One test tube study found that castor oil extract showed considerable antibacterial power, inhibiting the growth of several bacteria, including Staph aureus. Castor oil is being used for oral yeast infections in people and may be beneficial for our dogs that have yeast infections on their skin and paws, secondary to an allergy. Dandruff. You know, this can be such a big problem for many dogs. The moisturizing and anti-inflammatory properties of castor oil make it an excellent option to keep your, the hair soft and hydrated and help reduce dandruff symptoms. So what's the bottom line? People and pets, they've used castor oil for thousands of years as a powerful natural treatment for a variety of health issues. It's been shown to relieve constipation, moisturize dry skin, among many other uses. If you're searching for an affordable, multi-purpose oil to keep in your medicine cabinet, castor oil may be a really good choice. Lastly, when should you be neutering your dog to avoid health risks? Well, there's a new 10-year study by researchers at the University of California, Davis. What they've said is that some dog breeds have higher risk of developing certain cancers and joint disorders if neutered or spayed within their first year of life. Until now, studies had only assessed that risk in a few breeds. This new 10-year study by researchers at UC Davis examined 35 dog breeds and found among them that there's a variation amongst the breeds. There's a huge disparity among different breeds, says lead author Benjamin Hart. Hart said there's no one-size-fits-all when it comes to health risk and at the age at which a dog is neutered. Some breeds develop problems, others didn't. Some may have developed joint disorders but not cancer or the other way around. The researchers analyzed 15 years of data from thousands of dogs examining each year at the UC Davis Veterinary Teaching Hospital to try to understand whether neutering, the age of neutering, or differences in sex when neutered affect certain cancers and joint disorders across breeds. The joint disorders they examined including hip dysplasia, uh, cranial cruciate ligament tears, and elbow dysplasia. The cancers they looked at included lymphoma, hemangiosarcoma, mast cell tumors, and osteosarcoma. First, the breed differences by size and sex. They found that with the joint disorders, it was directly correlated to body size. The smaller breeds don't have these problems, while the majority of the large breeds tend to have joint disorders, said co-author Lynette Hart. One of the surprising exceptions to this was among two giant breeds, Great Danes and Irish Wolfhounds, which showed no increased risk to joint disorders when neutered at any age. The researchers also found that the occurrence of cancers in smaller dogs was low, whether neutered or kept intact. 
In two breeds of smaller dogs, the Boston Terrier and the Shih Tzu, there was, though, a significant increase in cancers with neutering. Another important finding was that the sex of the dog sometimes made a difference in health risk when neutered. Female Boston Terriers, neutered at the standard six months of age, for example, had no increased risk of joint disorders or cancers. But male Boston Terriers, neutered before a year of age, had a significant increased risk. Previous studies have found that neutering or spaying female golden retrievers at any age increases the risk of one or more cancers from 5 up to 15%. They're saying you need to be discussing this choice with your veterinarian. Dog owners in the U.S. are just overwhelmingly choosing to neuter their dogs in large part to prevent pet overpopulation, euthanasia, or reduce shelter intake. In the U.S., surgical neutering is usually carried out at 6 months of age. This study suggests that dog owners should carefully consider when and if they should have their dog neutered. We think it's the decision of the pet owner in consultation with their veterinarian, not society's expectations that should dictate when to neuter, said Benjamin Hart. This is a paradigm shift for the most commonly performed operation in veterinary practice. The study lays out guidelines for pet owners and veterinarians for each of the 35 breeds in making a neutering decision. And I'll link to this specific study and maybe you can even pour that on to your veterinarian, especially if you've got one of these breeds. I mean, I, I think we should all should be aware of it. Well, thanks you guys for listening to this edition of the Veterinary Secrets Podcast. This is Dr. Jones. Questions or comments, feel free to send me an email at podcast at veterinarysecrets.com. You can leave a comment on the blog. And lastly, I'd love to hear any suggestions for future podcasts. And this is Dr. Jones, and I'll talk to you again next week.